Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When was the last time you made a promise? Not just a pinky swear promise, but like a, a big promise, the kind that will change your life. I was uh, meeting with a couple for premarital counseling a number of years ago. Their wedding day was fast approaching, and they were set on writing their own vows. So I provided them with a handful of samples at a previous meeting, and so I asked them, you know, how, how was it going? What were they thinking they might include in their vows? And they smiled, this really big smile. They were young and in love and so proud that they had done their premarital homework. And they said, well, we have been thinking about how we're going to share our roles in our marriage. And so we'll talk about love and all that other stuff. But I'm going to promise that I will always make dinner and he's going to promise that he will always do the dishes. And I must have made this terribly cringy face because their demeanor immediately sank. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to be a vow crusher. In the most loving way that I knew how, I asked them whether they thought those were promises that they could keep. And they smiled and said yes with a measure of conviction that told me that they were going to be just fine in year one of marriage, but they hadn't actually thought a lot about year 50. They were thinking about what life would look like tomorrow, but they hadn't thought about what would happen down the road when one of them is in an accident or gets cancer or experiences depression or takes a job that has them working through dinner. And while everything inside of me hoped that they weren't really going to make that promise, it also caused me to step back and ask myself, do any of us really know what we're promising when we make marriage vows to one another? We lean into these words that are more lavish and aspirational, words, words that speak to our hopes for who we want to be for the other, knowing that the hard days will come when our human frailty will be on full display to the one who knows us best. But we make those promises anyway. We make these covenants with a huge measure of trust that the promise will stretch beyond the actions that we can measure or keep score of, certainly beyond the record of who had done the dishes. The promises we make in marriage sound a lot like God's promise to Abram. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able, and so shall your descendants be. We learn the strength and challenge and depth of these kinds of covenant commitments from God, because the God of Abraham is a God who keeps promises. As we heard in Genesis this morning, the history of God's chosen people begins with a promise. And God's opening promise is a big one, a future full of land and offspring that are more abundant than Abram could ask or imagine. 
God's promise stretches beyond what we could count because God is thinking far beyond year one or year 50 of this covenant relationship. God's promise reflects the fact that God is in it for the long game, a story that builds from generation to generation. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able, and so shall your descendants be. You've done this at some point in your life, right? Gone outside on a really clear night and looked up at the starry night sky. And if you have, then you know that the number of stars in the sky is far beyond our capacity to count. It's a breathtaking activity to think about the scope of God's promise. And a nomadic family like Abram's was surely acquainted with the heavens, They had surely named the constellations and used them to guide their travels and orient themselves. They were acquainted with these stars, and they knew there were too many to count. So Abram knew that the promise God was making was one that was hopeful and aspirational and maybe even a little bit ridiculous. Because with two feet planted on the ground... Abram was looking around and wondering how God's promise could actually be true. With the kind of uh, tremble of doubt in his voice, Abram says to God, But what will you give me? For I have no child. So why should I trust this promise? Abram had had followed God's call to go from his country and his kindred and his father's house to a land that God would show him. And God had said, I will make your name great so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. And thus far, Abram had done everything that God had asked of him. He had kept up his end of the bargain. And thus far, none of God's promises had come true. This morning's text begins after these things, which is a reminder that Abram has already been on this journey for some time. If we had read the previous chapter, we would know that he just got done fighting off a warring nation to rescue his nephew Lot, and he has good reason now to be afraid of future threats to his own well-being because of it. And despite all that God had done to protect Abram in that time, life had not exactly been easy in the pursuit of this promise. And the one part of the promise that really mattered to Abram, a child, had not yet come to pass. It's as if Abram said to God, you promised me a nation and I don't even have a namesake. It wasn't ingratitude, it's not a poor attitude or even entitlement. You get this sense for Abram's frustration. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able, and so shall your descendants be. But it can be hard to imagine trusting the promises of God when the future feels so uncertain. For Abram, the promise was uncertain because his trust in the future depended upon a child, and he and Sarah had remained childless, and they weren't getting any younger. But even today, we struggle to trust in God's promises when the present feels more than a little bit unsteady. 
Maybe your trust in the future is built on a well-diversified, well-managed portfolio that's not looking exactly so promising right now. Maybe your trust in the future is built upon getting into the particular college of your dreams and you feel the weight of the application process. Maybe your trust in the future is built upon whether our democracy holds in a time of political tension. Maybe your trust in the future relies on a church in a time when the religious landscape says that skepticism of religious institutions is at an all-time high. It can be hard to trust in the promises of God when the present feels so unsteady. And if Abram or we live as if the fulfillment of God's promises are entirely up to us or even our earthly systems, then yeah, we're bound to be more than a little bit frustrated. But Abram didn't run away in today's story. For whatever wild and ridiculous reason, Abram still trusted God. He believed that the God who had made heaven and earth is a God who will keep his promises, and he trusted God enough to question God. How can this future of abundance be if I don't even have a son? Not only did he trust God, but he then went on to give. He sacrificed his own animals, his own livelihood, to make a covenant with God to double down on this promise that God had made. He gave of his own resources for a promise that was way beyond his capacity to fulfill. And God was honest you heard it in this morning's scripture. He was honest that this promise would come to pass, but it didn't mean that there wouldn't be seasons of hardship. God is a God who keeps promises, but is in it for the long game. And Abram chose to trust. We, however, know that the promise was fulfilled, not because some photojournalist followed Abram around documenting it in real time, but because Abram had offspring. And those offspring grew from Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to the 12 tribes of Israel to become more numerous than we can count. We know the promise of God is reliable because God's chosen family told that story of a trustworthy God from generation to generation until it was written down in our holy scriptures that we could read today. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able, and so shall our descendants be. This month, we step into a season at church when you are invited to think about your commitment, not just to Morningside, but to God. And I know the realities of the world around us as well as you do. My mailbox is full of political ads, too. I've made the mistake of checking my investment portfolio. I realize this is an uncertain time to talk about a pledge a promise to the church, or a promise to God. Because just like Abram, we don't know for certain what will come our way. We don't know exactly what the future holds. But as you pray about your commitment this month, I invite you to begin that prayerful work thinking less about a particular dollar amount and more about the God to whom we make a promise. 
because we believe in a God who keeps promises. A God who keeps promises even when we doubt. A God who keeps promises even when trouble comes our way and in a time when we cannot stake our trust on the government or the market or institutions we have relied on, Abram invites us to put our trust in a God who keeps promises and then to find ways to stay close to that God in our daily life through our life together. Since its very founding, Morningside has trusted in those promises of God. Some of you know the church history even better than I do, and you know that there was a time when Morningside Presbyterian didn't worship in this sanctuary. When Dr. Gibson arrived as a pastor in the 1940s, they began envisioning and embarking upon building this very sanctuary where you sit today. And they believed like Abram, that each member of Morningside was an heir to the promise of God, part of that constellation of God's promises. They trusted in God's promises for this congregation and the ministry that God would do through the people here from generation to generation. And so they dreamt of a building. And partway through the planning and the construction, they found that they were some $120,000 short, which was a lot of money in the 1940s. And so they went to apply for a loan to complete the work on this very sanctuary, and they needed collateral to secure the loan to build this very space. And trusting in a future that they could not see, members of Morningside Presbyterian took out second mortgages on their homes to help secure the loan and build the church. Now, I know that we have set a bold goal for commitment this year, but I have not asked any of you to take a second mortgage out on your home, at least not yet. Morningside members believed in the promises of God. They imagined abundance in a time of scarcity and plenty when there was no guarantee of anything. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able to count them, and so shall our descendants be. And I look out today and I wonder if they ever imagined what life and hope this sanctuary would hold. I wonder if they imagined the bright stars that would shine among us in this community. The babies that are crying. The ones that we're teaching of God's promises in Sunday school. The ones who, are, who we read books to at Dobbs Elementary to help those children know that they are God's stars too. The ones who aren't in worship today because they are literally anointing people with glitter stardust at the Pride Festival to declare that they are among God's stars, heirs according to the promise of God. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able, and so shall your descendants be. It's a bold act of faith to step into the promise of God when the future is uncertain. And yet we are blessed by the story of God's faithfulness again and again and again. I was in my second year of seminary, and a travel seminar allowed a group of us to travel to Eastern Europe with a professor to study what the Reformed Church was like in another part of the world. 
And during our stay in Budapest, my classmates and I had the chance to have dinner with an elder in the Hungarian Reformed Church. Her name was Mrs. Pastor. She was going on 80, white-haired and slow-moving, but she still had this fire in her spirit. And she welcomed the eight of us into her tiny apartment, filled with books and artwork from her time as an African missionary. And over dinner, she shared stories of us, about min- stories with us about ministry behind the Iron Curtain. She described these times when the government tightly rationed their food, leading them to wonder where their next meal would come from. She recounted the time that communist officials arrived at the church manse and announced that the manse was in fact too large for their two-person family and a peasant family would be moving into their house that night. The government monitored her husband's sermons and dissent was met with violence. She told us of a time that the communist military had pointed tanks at their home as a way to intimidate the pastor. She said ministry was always perilous and risky. And there were plenty of times, no doubt, that Mrs. Pastor, like Abram, said, where is this promise and blessing that you've spoken of, God? The future feels awfully difficult to see. But she told us about this one night in the 1960s when she and her husband led a youth group event disguised as a camping trip out into the woods so the communists wouldn't find out. And she got this grin on her face as she was telling the story like she was reliving it again. She said, you had to be clever to do ministry. And when they'd set up camp for the night, her husband, who was the pastor, gathered the youth around the campfire, and he read scripture by the glow of firelight and preached about God's promise made known to Abraham and Jesus and each one of them. And they celebrated communion together, passing around this meager rationing of bread and juice that was hard to come by. And then she said, and we all laid back and looked up at the stars, those same stars that Abram saw, the ones that God had put in the sky as a reminder of the promise. And she paused telling the story, and she said, God was with us, and because of that, we could trust in the future. Look to the heavens and count the stars if you are even able. And so shall our descendants be. May it be so. Amen.